today on the Marvel Cinematic Universe podcast, we've been doing something we've been promising for a while. We're beginning our Infinity Saga rewatch, 2008's Iron Man. Let's do this. Let's talk about it. Welcome to the Marvel Cinematic Universe podcast. My name is Matthew Carroll. And I'm Ashley Coffin. Ashley, we're here. We're doing I it. Know. Finally, finally doing it. We've been saying this for, I think, a year and a half at least that like Probably. in discussions between us <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah and then we've been missing on the podcast for a few months um that it was something was coming and this is it we're going to try to do the infinity saga from the beginning me and you and we're going to have various guests uh from the stranded pandaverse and and just all around uh as we go through it but i am really really excited to tackle these and sort of just discuss like the movies themselves, maybe talk about how things have changed, things that we notice now that we would have never noticed in 2008, you know, little mm-hmm. connections, things like that. Um, really, really excited to do it. Um, are you ready to dive in? I'm ready. Let's do it. Let's do it. Uh, so, I first, the opening of this movie, the Humvee scene, is just so perfect. So good. It's just so perfect. Tony Stark's character comes into view so clearly. Mm-hmm. Um, and Robert Downey Jr. is just like living in that role. Like he just fits that role so perfectly. And his, his humor is perfect. Like there's so many lines in that first scene that I was watching. Like that perfect line, perfect line. He's like, don't throw <laughs> up gang signs. Uh, like, I don't, I don't know. So it's like, even if you don't know who Tony Stark is, you absolutely yes. get who he is in the first few minutes. And then 100%. it all goes to hell. <laughs> yeah. But that's what I like about this. It's because what's so different is it doesn't feel like a superhero movie for the first first act, I would say, like the, the first half. It's, you know, it really yeah. feels like you know an action kind of action drama. What I found really interesting in, in, in the structure of this movie is that it's in very much in three parts. Mm-hmm. It's in. It's almost as if it's three different comic books or three t- different comic book runs because you have the section that is about him in the cave becoming Iron Man. It's almost like you could have that be the be a movie. Like if yeah. that came to the end, you're at fifth the fifty minute mark before that you get out of the cave, and it's just like really, like we've been in this you know in the pre Iron Man part for fifty minutes, and it's like. Or somewhere around there. It's 15 minutes before he gets back to his lab, I think is what I noted. Um, and it's sort of, that starts like sort of a second arc, and it's the Gilmera arc, where he like, Rhodey learns his secret, he becomes kind of full-fledged Iron Man. Mm-hmm. And then there's the third arc, which is the Ironmonger arc. And it's like, it's so neat, because it's so comic booky, mm-hmm. And it's almost like these three comic books are just sort of dovetailed together in this really good arc. You know, it's really, really wonderfully done. Yeah, I mean, this movie is the GOAT. Like, no matter how far we've come with the films, when you go back and watch this one, it reminds you of how you felt the first time you saw it and the excitement about what was coming. Absolutely. Especially if you were already a Marvel fan. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And there's so much of it, like, like, like you said, if, if you don't know who Tony Stark is, you know who he is by the end of the first scene. So it's like a really exciting movie for brand new people who know nothing about this character. And I was, pr- I was more like that when I saw this movie. I knew who Iron Man was vaguely in comics, but I never read an Iron Man comic before this movie mm-hmm. came out. Like from that perspective, it was wonderful. But if you do know a lot about the character, there's so many great little Easter eggs and moments and like, you know, the original Iron Man suit being that like hunk of scraps from the cave. It looks 
a lot like the very first cover he's on, you know, in Strange know. Tales. It's it so does, great. And that suit looks so good. It moves so well on the screen. Like when he's coming out of the cave with the fire, it's the sickest. Like it really holds up. Yeah. Well, they use a lot of practical effects in this one, which they don't do much anymore. Um, that's one major difference. And, and, and like that practical effect thing, <laughs> this is something I don't think they do enough of. And I love... Because digital effects are so easy. One of my favorite scenes in this movie, and I, I haven't confirmed this, but it's when Iron Man's getting his chest plate worked on. Mm-hmm. Because it looks so real, mm-hmm. because I'm pretty sure how they're doing it is they've got a fake chest and Iron Man's and Robert Downey Jr.'s head's just sticking out from above it. You know, it's that mm-hmm. classic, it's kind of a horror movie thing they do where yeah. like a chest burster comes out or whatever, and like, Wah! the head can still move, the arms <laughs> can still move. Yeah. <laughs> but it's so well done because he's sitting there kind of awkwardly on the table, his neck's kind of craned because that's the angle of Robert Downey Jr. But it's like, that's just a fake chest. And so it looks so good when she reaches her little thin fingers <laughs> in there. There's, it's one of my favorite scenes in the movie. And it's just so, because it's, it's, it's really facilitated by practical effects you know yeah favreau he crushed it with this one Um, and that's the other thing like this one there's actual danger the jokes hit it feels very real like all of the things worked and it's so rare when they all work and then obviously if they didn't have robert downey jr none of it would have worked and they had to petition so hard to allow the studios to allow him to play the role Mm -hmm. um and yeah i mean imagine if they didn't and it was tom cruise would we be sitting here today (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I really don't know. Uh, I feel like it could be just another thing that like went by the wayside. I, you mentioned there's real danger, and that's one thing that I noted. You know, in these three arcs in the movie, there almost every Marvel movie has a big fight in the middle of the movie. Mm-hmm. That's just they do that, and honestly, every action movie because they have to have a big set piece in the middle. Keep it going. To keep it going. Keep it moving. Sometimes near the beginning, then near the middle, then always at the end. And something that I really noticed, and I think part of the reason, I think the third act of this movie has problems. We've, we've talked about them a lot. Mm-hmm. Part of the reason those first two acts work so well is because they treated those scenes really seriously. Yeah. Um, Jensen in the cave, him dying f- to, to give Tony Stark a life and saying, nah, don't waste it. That's mm-hmm. such a great... Like you could go from that straight to the, confer- the conference at the end and it's a great movie. Yeah, you know, like agreed. it's a short movie, but it's great. <laughs> um, and, and and it's because that first the first act fight has such stakes, and then you go on to the Gilmara uh, fight scene, and it, first of all, it's just amazing because it's you're seeing, oh, it's so good, <laughs> it's so good, and you're just, I mean, and it's serious stakes. I mean, they're about to kill, mm-hmm. you know, families and kids, and they're taking children, and he just comes in, and it's. Oh, it was so beautiful. It wasn't too much either. He got in, yeah. he did his stuff. You would you'd think that maybe there was gonna be a lot more fighting. He blows up his his weapons and then and the jets come in and you're like, oh man, this is mm-hmm. perfect. This is so perfect. Right. And it's also like it has the stakes of of the of the citizens that are in danger. Um and I mean even like it opens the scene with a man running there's a group of children, women and children run into a house. And then a man with a gun aims his gun into that house and just sprays it with bullets inside the house where those people just went. Like, they don't show it on screen, but that's like... You know what's happening. (laughs) Yeah, you can tell they're murdering these families. And it's just like, oh my... And then you see this family that you're caring about. And it's also... This is Jensen's village, which I don't know why I didn't remember that. But I did Mm. not remember this was Jensen's village, which is one of the reasons Iron Man feels so passionately. Um, 
And so you see these families getting, you know, thrown to their knees and you, you're imposing Yinsen onto them. At least I think Iron Man is, you know, mm-hmm. and, and, you know, this family's about to die. This other man's being like thrown on his knees and then Iron Man shows up and it's just a absolute badass. It's such a great scene. And then he causes some serious problems, which it's funny because you're like, oh, my God, he just took out, um, you know, one of those jets. But then mm-hmm. Rhodey's like, well, now you owe me a jet. And you're like, oh, that's right. He's a billionaire. He can just fix, you know, that. Yeah, he just he give them another one. that issue. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So I like Terrence Howard. But me too. I love Don Cheadle. And I thought that in, in the end, Cheadle's definitely better. I mean, Don Cheadle runs with comedians. So he he's always had such talent with drama, but he also mm-hmm. is really funny with quips. Like his quips always hit. And I think Terrence Howard did a good job, but yeah, I like Don Cheadle better. But that's yeah. when he calls him and he's like, Tony, where are you? What's that sound? And he's like, Oh, I got the top down. <laughs> yeah. It's so good. And that's what I was going to mention about the stakes. Like the citizens are one set of stakes, but the other set of stakes is Iron Man has a secret. And this is one of the only moments in all of Marvel that we have a secret identity. And it's really like you really, if you, if, you know, having watched it a million times and seeing it, like we don't think about that, but that moment is stressful because Tony's trying to keep a secret. That yeah. whole like playful conversation where he's like, this is my exit because he's talking about the freeway, but it's yeah. actually like him dodging uh, airplanes. <laughs> oh, it's wonderful. <laughs> and he calls it back. It's me. It's me. It's me. It's me. Stop. <laughs> right. I love it. It's me. And he's like, oh, who is this? He starts to toy with him because he just way. toyed with it. It's so funny. And then I he's know. like, no, 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 it's me. The thing in the suit is me. Please don't kill me. <laughs> Yeah, because he's like, Tony, why would you send one of your weapons there? He's like, no, 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 no. It's actually me. And the guy in the plane's like, it's a little man, sir. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. It's so, so good. And then he 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 saves. We, we see him save. I don't know that like the people on the uh, know that he saved that man from falling, you know? Uh, yeah. It, they never actually mention it. They all do start cheering. They do start cheering because his chute opened. But his chute opened, right? Yeah. We don't know whether they saw. The big thing about it... I actually never noticed this before, but there is an editing flaw in that moment uh, because the chute opens and then it cuts to Iron Man flying away. So the the, the fighters are still in full pursuit at this point because he's like re-engage, re-engage after the other plane explodes. Right. The fighters are still in full pursuit. Uh, Rhodey tries to convince. I almost said Terrence Howard because I don't think of him as Rhodey, which is terrible. (laughs) Um, Terrence Howard says, uh, you need to stop this. Uh, we need, we need to leave it alone. And he's like that. Guy, and they, all the people in the room are like, we're not going to stop chasing him. He just took out an F 22 in, in a no fly airspace. And then it cuts to the next scene. And Iron Man says, thanks, Rhodey. Like, Hmm. Rhodey didn't do anything at Mm-mm. least that we saw he tried but he didn't do anything Mm-mm. so I think there's like an editing flaw there that I've never noticed in all my watchings of this movie it seems like there must have been something over the top that Rhodey did to get them off his trail or something there's something there that was left on the cutting room floor because they say he says thanks Rhodey and then we just never it's just yeah. as, we, as, as we see it Iron Man just gets away Rhodey yeah. doesn't do anything to actually help him Yeah, all they needed was one line of dialogue of like he just saved that pilot. Yeah. And then yeah. they're like, wait. <laughs> Speaking of, one of the things I was paying attention to while watching this movie is like things that I wanted to see more of in future movies after watching this that I don't think we really get enough of. Mm-hmm. 
And one of those things is the tension between Rhodey and, and Tony. Mm. And I think Civil War kind of interrupts that because you have Rhodey's this guy who believes the military should have control. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. of the suits. Even in the second one, there's that, there's that moment where he takes the suit because right. Tony's drunk. Um, and, but then the end of that movie, they have to come together because of everything else going on. Uh, but then, like, and he's still Iron Patriot in the third one, but, like, the, it, it, there's sort of this tension between, like, this idea, and I, don't, I wonder if Disney was just scared to tackle it. There's this idea of, like, is it safe in America's hands versus Tony Stark's hands, you yeah. know? Mm-hmm. And, like, it's, it's, a, it's a thing they definitely struggle with in Civil War, but because Tony is so affected by Sokovia... He jumps onto Rhodey's side. He's like, yeah, mm-hmm. now we're going to give the government's control. And the whole thing about Tony's arc from the beginning was, I have to be the one with my hands on the wheel, you know? Right, right. And that's true. It's very Dr. Strangey, you know, I have yeah. to be the one holding the knife and they all have to learn. But Tony always takes his things to an extreme, which is why we yeah. have so many problems in the future movies. They're all Absolutely. Tony Stark's fault. <laughs> Absolutely. And. I really just, I don't know. That's, that's, that's one thing I was thinking about when I was watching this. Was like, I would have liked to seen more of that relationship and sort of like the fissure that could have grown between that relationship and maybe like have to come to some sort of resolution. Hmm. But I do love, uh, love what it is. It also, <laughs> I have one, well, well, we'll get to my other major change in a minute. I have, I, have a, I have a third act change that I think would majorly help this movie. <laughs> And even that relationship that I'm talking about, but my minor flaw with this, and I'll probably get flack for it, is it is just not my favorite score. I feel like the score to mm. this is very lazy. I think the music in it's really good, but I also feel like this and the Ant Man score are very similar, and I just think they're lazy. With it. it's just like, bah, 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 bah. but it is very comic and it does work. It's just mm-hmm. not my favorite. Interesting. I definitely find myself like singing along with the score every time it's come out, like. Dun, 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 dun. Like just like a lot of, there's a lot of guitars going on, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which it, and that's why it's perfect for this, but it's just, uh, it's not my favorite. But because they yeah. have so much good music throughout it, I feel I yeah. don't know, I don't know why that hmm. it bothered me this time. Well, and I think that's the thing: the score is trying to mimic that style of music, and it almost feels like maybe they should have like hired a band to do the to score do for this movie yeah. or something because I don't it's it feels like an orchestra doing rock music a little bit yeah a hundred instead of a rock band yeah or just use more needle drops and less score if, if you're if you're gonna do it that way yeah but I don't know that that moment when he's walking away from that tank exploding oh, it's, and it's just yeah, an Iron Man good. oh it's so so good any kind of walk away from explosions is it's mm-hmm. the best. <laughs> it's a trope for a reason. It's a trope for a reason. Um, so I'll, I'll talk about the third act problem, right? The, I've, I've said it for years. There's a third act problem with this movie. And for me, the problem has always been, this is not who Obadiah is. <laughs> so like hmm. him getting in the ironmonger suit makes no sense to me. They even lampshaded in the movie where he says, I've never really had a taste for this sort of thing, but I got to say I'm enjoying the suit. Ugh, just the way they make him talk, all the bad guys in these earlier movies. <laughs> you mean you mean you don't like it? I don't. The way he's like, the kind of way that it's almost like Ant-Man, you know, the guy, how ridiculous he sounds. Mm. There's one scene that he delivers 
in a very evil mustache twirly way. It's the most mustache twirly any villain gets maybe in the whole MCU. <laughs> and it's when he sits down on the couch with Tony after he's used the little paralyzer. Uh, yeah. That whole scene, he's just so evil. It's delivered beautifully. I absolutely love that scene. Well, he's a great actor. And he, even with Pepper, like, he's very yeah. intimidating. And I mm -hmm. feel like he could hurt me. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I feel like he could actually, without a suit, without any of that stuff, without those things. Uh, excuse me, by the way, can I get some of those things that cause that short-term paralysis? You can get out of any situation and conversation. Like, especially if you pretend you don't know what's going on. Like, oh my God, Diane from HR just stopped moving in the middle of her conversation. Then I ran for help and I'm here. I don't know what's wrong with her. She's, blood's coming you, out her ear. You just really are a villain. You know I that? <laughs> I would You're use always... it for good for me. <laughs> yeah, it's for good. You get out of a car. Just tell the people you need to go. <laughs> no. <laughs> Boop. I could cover it with my hair and be like, I don't know what's going on. Everybody's passing out. <laughs> <laughs> so when he has him paralyzed, though, he says some lines that are just so perfect and so elucidating of the whole like character of Tony Stark because uh, he knows Tony so well. Yeah. And he is hitting at every point that like Tony is going to be terrified by. Mm -hmm. um, he, he says the thing about this is your legacy. He knows how bad Tony cares about legacy because he's living in the shadow of his own fathers. He mentions it early in the movie uh, that this is our legacy. We're just we're building all these bombs. And in that moment, he, he says this. I thought I was killing the golden goose, but it turns out the golden goose had one last egg. And <laughs> and then he says uh, he says this will be your legacy. A generation of weapons with powered by this technology. And it's just, oh, it's just so evil. And then he's it like, is. I wish you hadn't gotten Pepper involved in this. I didn't want to have to kill her. It's just, oh, it's just evil. so perfect. It's just I so evil and perfect. When he's yelling at that doctor and the doctor delivers the most real line in this entire movie, he's like, I'm not Tony Stark. Like, nobody else can do this technology, Obadiah. Yeah. Oh, I love it. I love and at it least so much. he did take out a bunch of terrorists, so that was kind of good, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I do love that we finally we got that guy back, too. Yeah. In Spider-Man uh, Far From Home. It's so fun. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. He, he's, he's, that's the other thing. This movie, one of the problematic things about this movie is it's so close to 9-11 uh, that it just has this, like... I didn't even, like, think about that. <laughs> Oh, yeah. I mean, it's, it's seven years after 9-11. We're at the height of these wars in the Middle East. Uh, right. Afghanistan and Iraq. And, like, so a lot of this movie is just set in the, you know, background of that. Mm -hmm. I think they do an okay job handling it. But, like, even Tony, every time he sits in front of an audience, he's like, I'm here to defend America. You know, it's and it's just sort of this. But he's, he's starting to question his role in all of that. Yeah. But, I mean, that's what the whole movie's about. But, like... It, it, it's, it's just interesting to see that they do a good job of like making sure that to be like, yeah, there are terrorists in the Middle East. There are, but there are also good these very good people that we're here to defend, you know? Yeah. And it is funny because um, you can tell that they had a plan for the 10 rings with mm -hmm. those people way early, but they definitely totally abandoned it for something else. <laughs> well, I don't know. Uh, yes, I agree. I don't think they planned necessarily for it to go the way it did. I just think they were using the Ten Rings as like a nice 
nod to the Mandarin uh, yeah. in the first Iron Man movie. Um, and then they, they plan to do something with it later. But the thing is, the, the, the Ten Rings in Shang-Chi is a big multinational organization, and it is in this too. Mm-hmm. He says, like, there's... Uh, everyone in this valley speaks this language and this language and this language. Like he's talking about how how multi international, multi international. That's not a thing. Um, how international <laughs> the it. group? <laughs> yeah, the group of the Ten Rings is, and the group in this area is. Um, and so I think uh, you know it doesn't like it's not like there's a flaw. It's not like it doesn't match up, but it's definitely like it, they. I don't think they knew they were going to go with the Ten Rings. They went with right in uh, Shang Chi for sure. It almost felt weird that they had, um, you know, you get, uh, what is it, Ben Kingsley. Kingsley, yeah. To do it and then went, you know, so sideways from where that was. And then you have it be What's-His-Face was really doing it. I mean, we'll get there when we get to the third movie. But having Guy Pierce's character be the one who was in charge or the, uh, the Mandarin, it just didn't right. all add up to where we what we saw in this first movie. So some somebody changed something in there on the way. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think they're just, you know, they're three movies made completely separately and formed by each other just enough. Yeah. And, I mean, you know, that's how you make a good universe is you make the movie you want to make, but then just you, you can't ignore what happened in the past. Yeah. yeah. So they did a good job of, like, giving in this enough canon to, like, lead through those three steps. Because the idea with the Mandarin uh, in the third one and it being Guy Pierce, it's like, yeah, or Indrich, Aldrich Killian. Aldrich Killian. Uh, uh, is that he is... He's the Mandarin in name only, and he took it from someone else. You know, right. he took it from some actual uh, character that we find out is Win Wu and Shang Chi. Yeah, takes a while to get there. <laughs> it does, and I love that. I love that. It's I like know. T- Thirteen years later, we finally figure that that stuff out. <laughs> Another really evil line from Obadiah Stane, uh, and it's just it's showing us who tony is and who obadiah is and what the relationship is is when we see the gomera incident just happened and it's before before tony heads over there he says you know uh (laughs) he's like yeah i did it but you're just you're you're just naive you're you're naive like i'll you know this is how the world works and then he grabs tony and says picture time and it's just like i think of you as nothing but like the product that I'm selling, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like I, and I need you to just be in this picture cause I'm selling you as a product and I need you to just do your job and like dance for me. Yeah. He was like, who do you think told the board that you were unfit to sit? Mm-hmm. Me. Smile. <laughs> then he still tries to say like, but I did it for you. I for did you? it for you. He's still like walking that line. Mm-hmm. He hasn't yet revealed that he's also the one that told them to kidnap and kill him. Nope. That's later. <laughs> yeah, that's later. And I actually really like that it was Christine, the reporter, doing the good work and showing Tony the truth that Obadiah was hiding. And that caused him Me too. to out himself. But it also inspired him to use the suit for the first time. Like two very important things happened from that. Obadiah was just like, that's me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's this character that you're sort of disregarding. I love Jeff Bridges. So I liked Obadiah. You know, I knew he was going to be bad. But if you didn't know that he was going to be bad, you like him as a character. Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's like, oh, he's this fatherly figure. You yeah. Know? Um, Uncle Obadiah. Th- I was saying, like, you sort of disregard Christine Palmer because of the way they treat her at the beginning. Pepper calls her trash, basically. Is she Christine and- Palmer? I thought Christine Palmer was from Doctor Strange. Oh, crap. Christine Everhart. There we go. Right? Is that it? Christine- I think so. I'm pretty sure that's Sam Rockwell's wife, and she is stunning. She is so oh. beautiful. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. 
Uh, absolutely. Uh, but no, you kind of disregard her early in the movie. And what I thought was interesting is they they show us Tony Stark's palatial, cool, teched-out mansion first through her eyes. Mm-hmm. And if this were any other movie, that feels like the introduction of a character that's going to be really central to the story because it looks almost like you're she's our um fish out of water character like she Mm -hmm. she wakes up looks out that window she sees all the tech and it's like oh like it's such a cool shot of the mansion and of her looking out the window and i I was like this feels like she's going to be important and then pepper comes in like no get out of here (laughs) (laughs) pepper was a little rude Pepper was so rude. Calls, it calls <laughs> her trash. Anything. I mean, she did say like, oh, you're still picking up his laundry while she literally had her own laundry. I, listen, right. I, I would not want that, by the way. Also, if I stay somewhere, please don't take my clothes to be pressed and whatever. And don't touch my stuff. <laughs> that was pretty much it. And, you know, he was pretty rude for not, you know, he, he was the ultimate one night standing her. But at least like walk them to the door, Tony. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, no. Tony's completely. This is that's the other problematic thing about this movie. I'm sure there's other things that I'm not thinking of, but one of the other big problematic things is like Tony Stark is definitely a womanizer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like it's just a, it's just a clear part of his character for the first 50 minutes of this movie, or I guess 30 minutes of this movie before he gets to the cave. I guess it is the doctor in the cave when he kind of says to him, um, a man who has everything and nothing, like about mm-hmm. Tony. It's you know then he starts seeing Pepper. Like differently when he gets back, and you can see he starts falling in love a little bit, and they're changing it. So it is interesting. They, they, he does, I guess, have a kind of redeeming arc change there. Yeah, I think so. I don't know if it's not it's not completed yet, and I think like Pepper knows it's not completed yet because yeah. she says to him, you know, uh, in the next uh, in the or at the end of the movie, she's like. This is one of my favorite moments in the movie, and it, it, it is when he says. I, I just keep thinking about that night and he's thinking of it through his perspective, which is like, she almost kissed me. We had this moment da, da, da. and she's like, Oh, you mean the night that you sort of like uh, danced with me and then left me on a rooftop by myself and took off with the, and he's like, Oh, right. From your perspective, that didn't end romantically. <laughs> like For me, it was though. You never came back with my dirty martini. <laughs> yeah. The only perspective that matters is me. What are, what are you talking about? <laughs> yeah. How many people does Tony Stark leave waiting on a rooftop for him? Jesus. I know, right? I know. <laughs> <laughs> but he has, he has multiple really good arcs in this. I, I often think of him as a character that doesn't change much. He sort of changes motivations, but he kind of stays his sort of brash self. It's more like he goes through crazy things. Um, but the big change here is just he finds a purpose. You know, right? this, is, I, I, this can't be it. This, I don't think this is true. Uh, but I started thinking about what is this movie about? And I was like, this movie is about Tony not wanting his life given to him. He, he's, mm. fi- he's, he's been putting up with his father's legacy and living in the shadow of it. He's been putting up with like who Obadiah has sort of groomed him to be and like made him into this person. And he's just been living the life he's been told to live, uh, just hedonism and war profiteering, you know? Mm-hmm. And then he sees something terrible and realizes he has power and can make a change. And, like, that's this movie. He, he like, stops being a hedonist 
that's just out for war profiteering and starts being something else. And uh, I started thinking, uh, I like literally in my set, I was like, it's like he just doesn't want a life handed to him. And then I went, that's why he doesn't like things handed to him. Yeah, that's always <laughs> such a good point. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that's it. I don't think that's right. But like, I kind of like it thematically. Because <laughs> in the next movie, because I don't, I still don't think we have an explanation for why he doesn't like things handed to him. No, no. So that's my that's my headcanon from now on. Is that he doesn't he didn't his life was handed to him and he rejected it. And from now on, he doesn't do things people want him to do. Basically, he tries to make his own decisions. <laughs> Hashtag deep. Hashtag deeper than it probably is. <laughs> um, I just realized in this movie that he actually cuts a hole in all of his shirts to fit the arc. Like, why would you even do that? <laughs> I had that in my notes. I love it. Uh, it not all of them. Some of them, but not all of them. But like, yeah, it's. Really funny, the ones that have the cut I out. actually paused it, and I went up to, like, look, and you can see it almost looks like my shirt. It's not done well. It's all cut up a little bit. <laughs> it's, like, fringed off. I'm like, oh, that's hysterical. That's really, really funny. Um, okay. Let's talk about this third act fix that I've got. Yeah, tell me. My big problem with this movie is the third act feels so tacked on because it's it's just the classic trope of the hero is this thing. Let's give an evil version of the hero. And, like, it's one of the least inspired things in this movie. This movie mm-hmm. has so many new and different changes. Um, and it'd be one thing if, like, I've always said that it would be fine if Obadiah was just, like, the guy commanding a guy to get in a suit and do it. Mm-hmm. Because it's just not in Obadiah's character anywhere else that he's going to get in and get his hands dirty. Even in uh, Afghanistan, when he goes to the Ten Rings and kills them all, Mm-hmm. he, he walks it. away and has it has the other men do the job for him like he doesn't yeah. get his hands dirty mm-hmm. um and then he gets in the ironmonger suit my here is my fix and, and i think I, I really like what this does to the movie i want it to have been mentioned earlier that obadiah was a military man who was the james rhodes to howard stark like he mm. was the military liaison for Howard Stark. Okay, yeah. Because what that would do is it would make him a military man, and you could say he was a pilot. You could say, like, whatever. You could say he was a test pilot, and he worked with Howard Stark, and, like, he was his military liaison, and then he took over the company to help, like, to help in that, you know, medium time. But then what else it does is it brings back that idea I was talking about earlier of really wanting more of that roadie versus Tony sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Because that would give like real trust issues, like real reasons. Mm-hmm. Tony already has a problem mistrusting Rhodey. He doesn't trust him with the Iron Man suit. He doesn't trust him with his intelligence. He doesn't trust him with other things because he knows he has to report to the military. And if Obadiah was like that guy in a previous, like, in, like a previous generation, Mm-hmm. It would like give this relationship. Is our relationship headed down the same path? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. are we going to head in the opposite directions? I just really like that fix. There's that line where um, Obadiah's like, "Show me, show me the thing," and Tony's like, "Who told you? Was it Rhodey or Pepper?" And he's like, "Just show yeah. me." He's like, "It was definitely Rhodey." <laughs> <laughs> yep, 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 yep. Totally. Um, so yeah, I, just, I like that. Thank you, thank you. I, I I like it too. I like the the weight it gives to the Rhodey and Tony relationship going forward, and I like the. You know, it, it just makes a lot more sense if Obadiah is an older guy who used to be a test pilot for him to hop in that suit. Because just being a businessman and then hopping in that suit makes no sense. No. <laughs> I don't like it at all. 
that's funny. Yeah. He doesn't even jump in there in his business suit. <laughs> yeah. 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 I think like the little thing opens up at one point and it looks totally ridiculous <laughs> when he's like talking and he's like floating around. It looked, it's also bad because the CGI is bad it's there. It's a little older. Yeah. So it's just like kind of floating Jeff Bridges in the middle of this big hulking Iron Man suit. It's really, it really is like the worst part of the movie. Yeah. The end of my notes are just, well, this all end- escalated quickly. Because <laughs> uh, sure. all of a sudden it's just like, bang, 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 20 minutes. And then, uh, of course, it's the old icing problem trick to get out of it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but then he was fine, you know, and then we do it all over again. There was just a lot. And it was impressive to watch. I think probably the first time when you're just like, well... Seeing it on, you know, IMAX, it was probably great. But yeah, I don't think it holds up as well as the other acts do. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And when I think about this movie and why I love it, I think about those first two acts. You know, yeah. I don't think about the ending at all. Um, I was even thinking about, uh, you were talking about the icing problem. In my memory, and it hasn't even been that long since I've seen this movie, in my memory, that icing problem is how he won. But, like, there's a whole other scene with the arc reactor where he has to overload the arc reactor. That was the other thing about the third, third act. Like, the overloading of the arc reactor, they should have set that up. Like, let one of his chest arc reactors overload at a different point for some other reason. Yeah. And, oh, like, yeah. show what an arc reactor can, how, how much power an arc reactor can have when it overloads. And then, like, have him do that at the end because he's seen it happen. Kind of like the icing thing. Um, there's just some little things like that that I, I think could have been like tweaked a little bit. I agree. I agree. Um, let's see. We get Coulson. Thank goodness yes. Coulson is so relentless mm-hmm. <laughs> trying to talk to because that scene with Obadiah and Pepper is so intense. And then when he sees that she's taken the uh, the hard drive, he comes after her. <laughs> and I love how she acts that. She's like, nope, didn't forget. Let's go right now. Like walk right next to me. <laughs> and he probably he probably would have either taken her or killed her right there. Yeah. Oh, man. And Coulson is wonderful. He's wonderful in this. He feels like Coulson from the very beginning. Uh, Clark Gregg killed it. And, like, again, this wasn't an area in comics. I knew of S.H.I.E.L.D., Mm -hmm. but, like, I didn't know a ton about S.H.I.E.L.D. when I saw this for the first time. And I just remember being like, oh, yeah, S.H.I.E.L.D. Well, they don't even really say it, right? Because they haven't come up with the acronym yet. (laughs) At the very end, they say it. Okay. Um, Which... It is silly, and I don't. I have to believe because they definitely say it in other times. I think before this, in like the canon, isn't it? It is definitely Shield in Captain Marvel. Oh yeah, you're yeah, right. yeah, yeah. So that whole Shield thing, my 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 oh, head canon. Has, yeah, my head canon has always been it's just a joke. Like it's it's Clark Gregg is trolling Pepper Potts and saying like the name over and over and not saying what it means. Or maybe he was just being secretive and didn't want to tell her. Right. It's just silly because, I mean, the the word is already spelled out. It's not like the acronym doesn't exist, you know? It's just (laughs) clearly they did that on purpose. Um, But it's it's very funny. So I forget what movie is it where someone says, sounds like you're, sounds like you really wanted your letters to spell S.H.I.E.L.D. Or is that in in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. maybe? Oh, maybe. Yeah. I don't remember that from any of the films. That's funny. Um, Okay. Uh, Other things I just absolutely loved. I I know we've been at this a while. Uh, Other things I absolutely loved. Uh, I love the relationship to the technology. Jarvis is wonderful. So cool. It's so cool to see Jarvis, you know, before his envisioning, just hear his voice and him be such a big part of this movie. Uh, I love it. I love it so Mm -hmm. much. I wish that like, do you think that tech is real somewhere and they're just not telling us? (laughs) 
You mean Jarvis tech? No, I just like all of Tony Stark's tech, the way he just throws <laughs> things around and he can put his hand. And I was getting real, I always get real upset when he's testing his stuff around those cars. I'm oh, like, funny. what are you doing? First of all, get those cars out of there. <laughs> I don't care how rich you are. It's very rude. Yeah, you have a much more, uh, you know, love of cars, I guess. I don't care I do. at all. <laughs> I find it funny. I just, I just find that it's a whole scene. And I love that he like, See, it's it's a setup payoff thing that Favreau does so well because he just knows he knows comedy, he knows storytelling, and so like there's like this great the great setup of him flying over the cars and showing how yeah. risky it is that he's testing in this car, and then there's the great joke you know two or three scenes later where he lands on the roof and doesn't think about how like much force he's going to hit the roof with, and he drops four more stories and falls into the <laughs> oh, garage. Sorry. Which, by the way, he says his math is always right at one point in this movie, but he does things like that. Like, you didn't know the roof couldn't handle this, like, two-ton <laughs> mech suit. And then, like, there's another the other moment where he says 10% thrust, and it throws him into the wall. Yeah, like not getting up from that quickly, but he No, sure and your, your math was definitely not right. Like, no. <laughs> your math was wrong, buddy. Uh, I thought it was a tragedy that his gorgeous office had a carpeted floor. Just going to throw that out there. Oh, his funny. beautiful office that you know Pepper goes in. I'm looking at. It, I'm like, oh my god, is that gray carpet? <laughs> <laughs> it's really funny. Um, all right, all right. Let's see, man. I just, I, I love how important legacy is in this movie. When when he says the most famous ma- uh, the terrorist says the most famous mass murder in history of in the history of America, and then uh, Yinsen says he says that about you, and then he says he is honored. He's honored to meet you. Uh, the most, you know, famous mass murderer. It's just like, whew. Yikes. The, the idea of legacy and that being his legacy is just so heavy on the first half of this movie. Um, it, it really does just have a great, just such a great arc, man. Yeah. I do love the scene when he's shopping the, uh, the Jericho weapon. Me too. Oh, so Me good. too. Such a good salesman. <laughs> yes. Oh. And then he, then he, I love when he's walking away and has that refrigerated bar sitting there and he's like one of these in with every order of 500 million or more <laughs> yeah, <I love> it. <laughs> so great um when he's in the cave there's a moment where he finds out about the flaw in his chest and i love it because it's such a small decision but like he finds out that there's shrapnels in his chest and the only thing keeping him alive is this car battery and then he's wearing this hoodie and he just slowly zips the hoodie over the flaw and I just think mm-hmm. that's like a really wonderful moment of like, or just a really good choice. I don't know who made that choice, but it's really, really good that like he's he doesn't have flaws. He doesn't think mm-hmm. of himself as having flaws. He definitely like projects to the world that he has, doesn't have flaws. And it's for him to have this such a clear, mm-hmm. glaring flaw on his chest that it's having this this thing is keeping me alive. I need I, I have a need. I have a lack. And for him to just be like zip slowly up, yeah, it's so good. Oh gosh, yeah, so good. That's yeah. This movie is just. It's I don't know why when everyone's like, "What's your favorite movie?" I don't say this. <laughs> when you, we start right? to watch the, I feel like I'm going to say this at the end of every single one of these episodes. Like this is my exactly. favorite movie. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I, th- I think that is very much the way this is going to feel every time we do one of these. <laughs> um, but I, you know, this is definitely one that. It just hits so hard as such a great movie. Like, and it doesn't require, like, one thing I always say is, like, I think it's, 
Infinity War and Endgame. Endgame is really hard to beat for me. I know everybody else, right. a lot of people say Infinity War. For me, it's Endgame. But it's because of that, like, the way it's built to that. Yeah. But Iron Man is great and doesn't require you to watch anything else. Mm-mm. It is just great just the way it is. It's not about, so, like, they're just playing different games, you know? Like, Endgame's amazing how it, like, weaves the tapestry of all these different movies together into this perfect ending. And Iron Man is just kicking it off, you know? And that's that's what we're here to do. Iron Man to Endgame, baby. We're yeah. going to do it. Truth is, I am Iron Man. <laughs> <laughs> so good. So good. We haven't mentioned at all the, like, the other AI that he has, the little fire extinguisher bot oh, or whatever. Oh, he's so mean to his robots. <laughs> I love it so much. I love him so much. He just, him making fun of the bot the whole time and the bot looking so disappointed and they, yeah. they humanize him. They just give him, make him a droid from Star Wars, basically. He's yeah. Like, no. If you spray me again, I'm going to donate you to a college. <laughs> and then one of those harrowing scenes of the movie is when he's crawling to his old arc reactor and he's, he's looks like he's about to die because you know he's lost his arc reactor. He crawls to it. He doesn't make it. And then the little arm reaches down with the thing. That's so cute. And You're he like, says, you did it. <laughs> he says, good boy. Good <laughs> and smashes boy. it. <laughs> I love it so much. Yeah, oh. me too. All of the humor hit. And it's yeah. it's hard. It's rare that that does that. Mm-hmm. Um, there's only a couple. I mean, it's always, uh, I think Guardians, a lot of people don't say Guardians 2, but I think the second half of Guardians 2 is the humor is like every joke hits. And that's I how I felt about this one. I agree. A lot of people didn't like the Guardians 2 humor. They thought it was too over the top. No. And I, I mean, it gets ridiculous. Yeah. But they, <laughs> I think they do the work to make it ridiculous. Yeah. Um, and I, I know that's another cast, but man, you're right. We're getting you, there. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll get there. We'll get there. Uh, man, I just, I'm excited to see more of Tony Stark in another movie. Like, his, his thing of like... Do we go the, right? Iron Man 2 is next, right? No, or is that no, release no, no, order? No. That's no, watch order. That's yeah. That's uh, that's maybe watch order. I don't know because Iron Man two happens right before Avengers, I believe. I think it ends with no, no Avengers. No Avengers. Uh, first Avenger happens right before. Yeah, it's first Avenger and yeah. Thor is in there too, right before. Yeah, Avengers. we got Thor. We got the Incredible Hulk is actually next. Oh, which will be interesting to watch as like. Oh God, I don't even know. <laughs> like honestly, when I have show people the MCU, I often. Like, I will skip that one, not because it's so terrible, but because, like, you don't need it for any of the story, and it is, it's like, it's not great that it's the second movie. Like, if you're trying to show people the entirety of the MCU, and you're Mm -hmm. like, check it out, the next movie is, I just don't think it is as strong as any of the other outings in the first, in phase one. They both came out the same year, didn't they? That's crazy. Yeah, yeah, only like a few months apart or whatever. Like it's it's really wild. Hmm. Um, cool. all right, all right. Well, guys, thank you so much for joining us. Um, guess I guess that's it. I just want to see more Tony Stark. He has that moment where he says, "There is nothing except this." Yeah, to, to Pepper, and like I, I'm excited to see these close together and be like, discuss the way that that relationship develops. Yeah, because because she's I, like, oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> There's nothing else. What about me, buddy? What about me? Yeah, and, me and, and that amazing blue dress. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> all right, guys. Well, that is all from us. Uh, Ashley, tell yes. them about Bill and Ashley's Terror Theater. 
Uh, if you are into how movies or horror movies get made, you can find us over at Bill and Ashley's Terror Theater on all the things where we we're actually this this week we covered Young Frankenstein. So if you're not into all horror, we do some horror adjacent stuff. We just covered uh, the new Scream film. And then we are finishing our coverage of the Evil Dead trilogy before Evil Dead Rise comes out, and then Salem Lot at the Salem's Lot at the same time. So we got a lot of stuff going on. Ooh, man, awesome! I I keep wanting to go see Scream in theaters. I haven't had a chance yet, but probably this week. It was probably okay. Probably this week. <laughs> it was okay. All right, yes. cool. Good, to, good, good to know. Lower my expectations a little bit. I'll go, yeah, I won't listen to the cast because you'll spoil it, but like, so go listen and just lower my expectations fully before I go in. Yeah, do that. <laughs> <laughs> well, guys, thank you so much. We are the Marvel Cinematic Universe Podcast. We're going to be doing this for the next, I don't even know. I, I, we'll probably do them like every other week. So we'll probably take the next year to get through the entire Infinity Saga. And uh, we hope you guys will stick around and enjoy it. Uh, if you like what we do here, check us out at uh, patreon.com slash mcucast and support the show. Uh, it really helps us out a ton. A bunch <laughs> of you guys are already subscribed over there. A lot of people are subscribed and have not moved over to the new tiers, so you won't be getting our new bonus content that's coming later this month. So please uh, join up for that, um, if nothing yeah. else. Uh, we'll be doing bonus content. Um, we're doing a Guardians of the Galaxy 2 commentary track like in the next week or two. So Ooh. Yeah. Maybe I'll have to join for that one. I hope so. I sure hope so. All right, guys. We'll we'll be back soon. Peace. Until next time, true believers. (laughs) I know. I just did Terminator, but I don't care. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for joining us for the Marvel Cinematic Universe podcast. And a special thanks to all of our subscribers at patreon.com slash mcucast. You make this show possible. A big shout out to our brand new first ever Illuminati tier patron, Walter Kreisky III. Thank you, sir. If you want to find all of our fine Stranded Panda podcasts, go to strandedpanda.com. And for a video version, check out youtube.com slash strandedpanda. And if you want to take part in our live streams, go to twitch.tv slash strandedpandatv. 